So this is the, oh, come back already. Can't even get into my own PowerPoint now. Here we go. So thanks to those of you that are seeing this live and then hi to anybody else that's watching this as a pre-recorded. So this is my online webinar or short course on building the one arm chin up. So this is kind of going to kind of be a summary of the kind of the collective information that I have on how to build the one arm chin up from either having none or having one and trying to excel them or having multiple reps and trying to get even more or trying to get into even more advanced methods per se. Oh, okay, we've got someone else joining in. Let's give it a minute. Awesome, okay, we should all be good. So I'll keep going, I'll just crack on. So yeah, welcome. Thanks for tuning in on the Building the One Arm Chin Up and let's get to it. So first off, and I won't go too much into this because I don't really wanna brag, but who am I and why should you listen to me? So my name's Ash and I am the head coach at Hybrid Health Movement. And the reason why I'm writing these short courses or these videos on one arm chin ups is because basically I went from one, one rep of one arm chin ups back in December to seven consecutive reps of one arm chin ups in less than six months by testing what I thought to be the most efficient way of doing so. I also coach online and have numerous students either working towards their one arm chin ups or having their one arm chin ups. And I even took nine weeks off of one arm chin ups recently to see if, if I removed them completely and it just so happened to gain four kilos of weight in that same time frame, could I, would I even lose them? Could I get them back very easily? And the answer is yes, I do still have them. So that's always good. So that's who I am and that's why I'm doing this particular course and we'll, we'll punch on from here and get straight into some of the good stuff, okay? So, mistakes before corrections and minimum effective dose. So, when I'm looking at programming for one-arm chin-ups or building towards your, your one-arm chin-ups goal and trying to achieve these either as your first rep or as multiple reps, there's a few common mistakes that I tend to see. And I'm always looking at how to take those mistakes out first. And then once we've removed any, any of those mistakes, we can start to put more corrections in and we can start to look at what is the best approach to take. And we can look at things like minimum effective dose, which we'll talk about in a second. But when I'm looking at the stakes in one arm chin up work, the top sort of what five that I've written down there tend to be, we've got too much variety. Okay, so if we're, if we're doing, taking way too many approaches at tackling the one arm chin up, and this is quite a common approach. I see people where they're throwing in mixed grip chin ups, they're throwing in uh, counterweighted um, one arm chin ups, like band assisted one arm chin ups, normal weighted chin ups, chin ups, and all kinds of things. And they're doing loads and loads and loads of pulling work, loads of variety, and it's, it tends to be a bit much, especially because chin ups are, and one arm chin ups especially are very, very neural, very high demand on the body. Too much frequency is the other one that I really see very, very often 
which is the fact that you've got to imagine that this is an incredibly intense movement to try and train, pulling your entire body with one arm. So that doesn't need to be trained all that often. Like the recovery for that is going to be much more important than arguably even the work itself, right? So we recover from, as in we gain results from stresses that we recover from. If you don't recover from it, we don't make progress. And, and I'll see people training two to three times a week, one arm pulling sessions or heavy pulling sessions, or even have loads of other volume of work in other exercises and other movements that just detract from how much gain you can actually get going on in the one arm chin up. So too much frequency can be another, another downfall, another one that needs addressing. Then we've got too much accessory. Again, I like accessory work, but I like accessory work specific for the person, not specific to an exercise per se. So often people will throw in everything they can um, at that. So it might be they're working one arm chins and then they're working variations of chins, be it weighted or like I said, loads of varieties of that same movement. And then they'll also throw in some rows and they'll be doing rotator cuff work and they'll be doing uh, bicep work and they'll be doing straight arm work and trying to break down all of the pieces of the one arm chin up. And really programming for it is, is fairly simple. It needs more simplicity than it does anything else. So by throwing loads of accessory work at it, again, you're probably more likely to impede its ability to recover. And recovery is going to be the biggest contributing factor to gaining a one-arm chin-up. I guarantee you that much. And then too much too soon. Too much too soon is something that I see probably the most frequently. Um, it's really, really common that people in the, in the movement space, in the calisthenics and gymnastics space, achieve their first one arm. Maybe it's only on one arm, maybe it's on both arms, and then they lose it again. And it never, it doesn't really stick. Or they maybe, maybe it does stick and they go to get a second rep and then they lose the second rep and they get back. And it tends to be this to and fro over the years of, oh, I got one arm chin up and then I lost it and then I got, and then I, and that tends to be because too much too soon. Just because you can do one rep of one arm chin-ups does not mean that you need to be doing single reps of one arm chin-ups in your workouts. It doesn't guarantee that you have the capacity to be working that movement. It doesn't guarantee that you have the recovery to work that movement because if, if you've just gained one rep, it is your true one rep max. And how many other movements are you gonna constantly train at your one rep max? It's probably not going to happen. And if it did, you're probably not going to see progress. And most people probably know that if you were to one rep max deadlift or one rep max back squat or something more than once a week, or even once a week, it's, it's probably not going to serve you that well. It's going to be hard to recover from. It's going to increase your risk of injury. It's not going to be great on tendons, ligaments, joints. So that tends to be what happens on that too much too soon. And then not enough balance. And by balance, I mean structural balance. And I'm talking about integrity around the shoulder, integrity around the elbow. Elbow pain seems to be quite a common one that comes in with the one arm chin up journey for most people that either aren't me or aren't coached by me. Shameless plug there. Because people don't often get the balance right. And in my world, I believe it to be very much a reverse structural balance for the one arm chin up because elbow pain is so common and it's a lot of aggressive, strong demanding pulling exercise. Um, I believe that you actually need to balance that out with a two to one on press to pull. So in my programming with clients, in my own programming, in my own one arm chin up journeys, I will always try and keep the volume of 
overhead press work, specifically like handstand push-up work, either handstand push-ups or uh, pipe handstand push-ups variations with as much range as possible. I will try and go a two to one of those to one arm chins to make sure my elbows stay healthy. And I've, I've never had elbow issues. I didn't have elbow issues at one rep. I didn't have elbow issues at seven reps. I don't have elbow issues now four and a half kilos heavier pulling the same. So um, to avoid things like that, that's always going to come down to balance. So not enough balance is another mistake. And then we look at the right things to start doing. And it tends to be more of a minimum effective dose, minimum effective dose approach, which is kind of my go-to. Like my, my job is always to find what is the least amount of work, the least amount of effort, the least amount of stress we can put into the body for the maximum yield of results, right? If you're taking drugs for some medical condition, you don't jump straight in and throw as much at it as you can. You work to the minimum effective dose. Once you start to see the results, that's the point at which you need to work at. Then we're good. Then, then we can work there and we can see progress steadily. So it's important to find your benchmarks. It's important to know how close to the one I'm chin up am I? Where, where can I go with that? Oh, we've got somebody else joining. I'll just let them in. Cool. So with that one, with the finding your benchmarks, I quite like to test things like your alternating mixed grip chin-ups. So pulling over to one side, alternating hands, pulling over to the other side and finding a maximum range there. And as we go through this, we'll talk about how to actually find these benchmarks uh, and where to move on from. Like when is, when is uh, the right time to work alternating? When is the right time to work on lock-offs or negatives or to be attempting reps or partials or anything like that? So we'll dig into all of that. If in doubt, rest more. That's one of my truest principles, like because recovery is so vital. I think it's really important to make sure that, yeah, if, if in doubt, if something's not working well, add more rest and then see how things pan out from there. So I would always value the recovery over the, over the stress input. We need to make sure that we stress it, but we also need to make sure we recover. Grip variety is one of those uh, tips, secrets, uh, one of those sorts of things that has more of an impact than you would think it would have. And it's one of the reasons why boulderers, rock climbers and alike will gain one arm chin ups without really necessarily training it or without any good form. It will just be one of the things that develops for a lot of them, certainly the lighter guys, but grip variety plays a huge game in the sort of, in the neural aspect of that. Um, so I do encourage grip variety as one of the varieties. Um, but I would do that either very, very, very low intensity frequently throughout the week, or I would do it where we would alternate training blocks and training cycles with a grip stimulus. So maybe you wrap a towel around the rings, maybe you hang a towel from the rings, maybe you just grip the rings. If you have different size rings, maybe you use the bar, etc. boulder holds if you have them. And then when it comes to the shoulder, complexity always trumps intensity. That's the next point. So we want to think ultimately the shoulder loves complexity because it's, it's got a huge range of motion around the joint. It's got a lot of 
active muscles working at all times, the rotator cuff muscles, the scapular thoracic muscles, and then glenohumeral muscles. So all of this stuff is working constantly and working all the time and has huge range. So the shoulder isn't a, hu a, a big stable joint, it's a very mobile joint. So it wants more complexity. So when you're training progressions in pulling, we want to be training it with complexity. We want to add variations to the exercise over time instead of trying to add more load. So this is one of my arguments against weighted chins, which is quite a common uh, approach to, to gaining one arm chins weighted. It's not, not my bag. And then lastly on minimum effective dose, these are the things we'll be covering are cycling maximum effort and repetition effort. So this is something that I found very effective with, all types of training, you know, looking at concurrent or, con or conjugate training, looking at going from maximum effort where we're really focusing in on intensity and then on a different session, looking at repetition effort where we're re really looking at volume. And by moving these two things sort of concurrently, we tend to see a much, much more progress, but you also get more rest from one and then from the other. So it's, this is kind of how I'll program. So we'll dive into that. Let's move along. All right, so first point we'll jump into is going to be finding your benchmark. So like I said a minute ago, having one rep does not necessarily mean you have earned the right to start training single reps, okay? Like I said, you wouldn't train your one rep max deadlift or your one rep max back squat or any other movement for that matter every week, you certainly wouldn't train it multiple times a week because you know that you're not gonna be able to recover from that. You know it's gonna probably be more of a negative impact than a positive impact. Joint stress, tendon stress, ligament stress, all of that type of thing. So when somebody does get to one rep, it's not often that I will then incorporate that single rep into training or, or if I do, it's certainly not gonna be incorporated into training at a high frequency. Uh, it's gonna be very rare and it's going to be as if we were amping up for a one rep max. The order that I would approach training the progression model of a one arm chin up is going to be assisted so that we're either assisting with alternating grips so we can work on things like mixed grip where we can work on things like pulling with the assistance of a strap so having a strap hanging down from one of the rings pulling on one holding onto the strap with the other to give yourself self-assistance. That would be where I start almost everybody. And even if you've got one rep, this is probably where I'm going to put most people. This is, this is things that I do with my own training when I do do specific training for one arm chin-ups. So assisted reps is where it starts. From assisted reps, we would move to lock-offs in terms of programming for the one arm chin-up. And with the lock-off, what I'm looking for is that you can get your chin above the top of the ring not chin above hand, chin above the top of the ring with this full contraction, pulling the elbow past the side and being able to hold that position without twirling around, without spinning, without any other shape in your body having to change. And what I look for in that is a five to 10 second minimum to ensure that you've nailed that particular movement, like that lock off. So that would be the next progression along from an assisted chin up is aiming to hit that consistently so we could assist all the way to the top. Maybe we've gone on an alternator grip. Maybe we've gone onto a strap. When we get the chin up above the top of the ring, it's then holding that position. Five seconds is the minimum. And then we would go back onto the assistance to lower down with control. 
from there, once we start nailing that, and that's used frequently into the programming, that would be when I would move people in towards things like eccentrics, right? And this is where a lot of people jump straight in, straight in at eccentrics. And this is where elbow issues and numerous other problems come in too quickly, is too much too soon. With eccentric work, we're gonna use the same sort of rule as the lock off. So we would assist up, pull up, get the chin above the ring, knowing already that we can hold that position for more than five seconds, usually 10 seconds, if I'm gonna move someone onto an eccentric. And then without rotating and spinning around, lowering with as much control on one arm for five to 10 total seconds. Now, the thing that I cannot stress enough when we're looking at using five to 10 second negatives is that there is no acceleration. What I mean by that is that if you're going for a five second eccentric or a 10 second eccentric or anything in between is the time it takes from the top to the bottom should be even. So if you're going, let's say you're going for 10 seconds, it should take you five seconds to reach 90 degrees. It should take you five seconds to reach the very bottom relaxed position. So at no point does your body accelerate or rotate because those two things show me that you don't actually have the control or the strength to be completing the movement. And that will then ultimately lead to injury or overtraining very quickly. So the rule on the eccentric five to 10 seconds minimum is consistent speed all the way down with full control, not spinning out. And if you can hit that, then we can use them in your program. You know, so we start to move along this continuum and that's not to say we won't go back and use the other things as well because we're accumulating tools as we go. Assisted chin-ups are brilliant. Lock-offs really have a good place. And then eccentrics, we know eccentrics work really, really well because they are supra-maximal, right? We are working at a higher level than what you could press. But again, when we work in things like eccentrics, we start to push the rest up loads because same rules, if you did a deadlift, you did a squat, you did something else, you wouldn't load 105, 110% of your one rep max, lower it, do that for a whole bunch of reps, and then think that you can train like that again in two days, five days a week. So recovery is gonna keep circling back in here. From eccentrics, we would move into things like sticking points. So we could then look at, can we add isometric holds back into certain parts of the movement? So if you're lowering down through that range and you know that you get a little bit of speed increase somewhere along there, or you've attempted a one arm chin up and you know that you have some dead points there, then we can start to add locks. So we can go maybe, you know, a typical one that I'll use with most people is strengthening each part. If I break it into thirds, I'm going to have you come down a few degrees, hold for five seconds. I get you maybe to 90 degrees, hold for five seconds, get you almost full extension hold for five seconds, then finish the rep. So we might look at doing things like that. We might look at very specific parts of the one arm chin up for you as an individual. And we might identify that by doing something like a one arm ring row, just to kind of see where's your strength curve at? At what point do you lose position? Or we could do it as a, an assisted, a feet assisted one arm chin up, right? Where you stand on a box in a squat with your arm on the rings, and you start to perform a one-arm chin-up as you stand, only aiding yourself with your legs enough to complete the rep, and you go, at what points did I really have to push with my legs and help myself? And then we identify sticking points. Then we can dial that back, and we can use those. And then obviously the final progression along that continuum is gonna be having a rep or multiple reps of a one-arm chin-up. And again, programming considerations are gonna be mostly based around 
how much rest and recovery can we get in on this, okay? I covered the five to 10 seconds thing. So in a lot of these progressions that I was talking about, I was, without saying it specifically, I was talking about learning subjective assistance and relative intensity. And with one arm chin-ups and with most movements, I think this is a really, really, really important concept. Now, subjective assistance is as it sounds, is you help learning to help yourself only as much as you need to. So this is one of my favorite reasons for using assisted mixed grip, alternating one arm chins, like where we're on the rings, I grab one in a supinated, that's the one arm chin arm, and I grab one in a pronated, this is the assisted arm, and I learn to, as I get stronger, to only help myself as much as I need to, to be able to perform the rep to the intensity I want. Because if I write you a set of, let's say, 12 total repetitions alternating, or I write you four total repetitions alternating, you should be able to make both of those feel just as hard by the last rep. And learning how to do that is gonna help you a long way. It's also gonna give you much, much more muscle awareness and much more biofeedback when you're learning to identify sticking points and problems that you have with those particular movements. So I think it's really important to really dive into learning how to have that subjective assistance, learning how much do I actually need to help myself? How much of this am I in control of? So that's why I always tend to go back to assisted reps because they're such a valuable tool for that. And relative intensity is essentially the same thing. It's understanding where am I on that? What's, what's my intensity? If I ask you to work at an eight out of 10 or I ask you to work at a five out of 10, do you know how different they feel? And learning to know how different they feel is really important. So, you know, most sessions I will write for people, I probably want them to finish on an eight out of 10. I want you to be feeling like you're, you're pretty tanked, but you've still got energy left there. It, it didn't kill you. It's recoverable. Um, if you go too low on that relative intensity, then, you know, we're, we're not going to put enough stress into the system to adapt. If we go too high on that, it's going to be too stressful and we're going to need much, much, much more recovery. So like hitting an eccentric where you're desperately trying to hold on and then you're ending up dropping at the bottom, that's probably a nine or a 10 out of 10. It's going to take you a long time to recover from that. You're going to stress some tissues that don't want to be stressed. Um, so keeping that intensity around, around an eight out of 10 is probably the sweet spot and learning how to judge that is going to be really important and something I make sure that my clients and myself really learn how to do. And then picking your pairing. This is the other thing that I think is really important. So like we talked about with briefly in the last slide, relative, uh, losing my words, structural balance on one arm chin ups is really important and making sure that we have a something along the lines of a two to one press to pull ratio really, really, really helps keeping things like elbow pain at bay. So I like to find what is my, my pairing that works well with my one arm chin ups. So if I'm working sets of singles or doubles in specific one arm chin ups, strength and skill work, then I might want to find a, a variation of a handstand push up that allows me to get twice those reps, for example. So I know that if I'm doing a one-arm chin, I know that I can probably double up on reps on a full handstand push-up. Uh, that would be free balance for me. And then I'll have clients that will be working on assisted 
one arm chins where we'll be looking at hitting, let's say we want to work four reps at an RP of eight. I want to find them six to eight reps at an RP of eight for a press movement. So I might put them in a pike handstand push up or in a wall facing handstand push up or something similar. So we want to try and find, let's, let's make it as challenging, but with room for increasing the reps. And that should usually balance out things like elbow issues before they even surface. So just a, one more point back on the, the relative intensity. The re, another reason why I really like this, and I like this for all workouts, is if relative intensity becomes your goal within your sessions, it stops things being demotivating. Because if you're working at that intensity and that relative intensity specific to you, it doesn't matter if you're not as strong on a certain day. So to use this as an example, if you go in and squat on Monday, and it's eight out of 10, you're using 100 kilos, you're getting three reps or something like that. And then the next time you come around to train, you still hit your RPE, your, your relative intensity of eight out of 10. Maybe it's 90 kilos this time because you didn't sleep as well, because you ate some food that messes you up or whatever. You can tick the box that you hit that relative intensity instead of worrying about what weight did I use or what load did I use. And it tends to be more motivating because it's like, because then you can come into your training sessions with a different attitude. Did I hit my intensity? Yes. Great. I will continue to see progress. If I'm better rested, I'll be able to get more work in at that same intensity. If I'm not, I won't. So it becomes more, um, more applicable. And especially with things like one arm chin ups, it's that in itself should stop some overtraining because you're not going to run in and jump up on some eccentrics. If you're feeling a bit under the weather, you're not going to go, Oh, it's in my program. I need to hit that. If I've asked you to do an eight out of 10 and today it feels like a 10 out of 10, you're going to dial it back a bit and now you're going to still recover. So that's really important. <laughs> if in doubt, rest more seriously. Like I keep preaching this and I cannot help myself because Rest is one of the most undervalued resources for making strength gains, making skill gains, making endurance gains, any types of gains. You know, do the fucking work, rest the fucking rest. That's what I tend to say to my clients. Uh, excuse the language. Um, but, but it's very, very true. Doing the work is incredibly important, but actually resting and recovering enough is, is far more important. Because if you do the work and you don't rest, you're just pushing yourself into the ground right? And then what is rest? That's going to be specific to you, but definitely getting enough sleep, getting enough nutrition and the right type of nutrition for you, making sure that you're doing active or recovering actively, not necessarily active recovery, but recovering actively is something I talk to clients a lot about because we want to be thinking um, if training and intensity is the accelerator, recovery is the brakes, you wouldn't drive along at 100 miles an hour, take your foot off the accelerator and coast to a stop, right? That's, that's not going to work very well. You've got to actually pump the brakes. And this is, this is what I talk about a lot when I'm talking about recovery is you've got to actually pump the brakes. You've got to actually do something to recover. And that might be a hobby. Training doesn't count. Reading about training doesn't count. It might be reading a book. It might be doing a puzzle. It might be Sudoku. I don't know, going for a walk, going to the beach, whatever it is, playing with a dog. I, I don't know like, but actively recovering for you, doing some yoga, some meditation, some mindset work are all really good ways to do it. Getting a massage, doing some foam rolling, anything that switches you off, chills you out, makes you feel good in your body. But do the rest 
and leave enough room for rest, you know, making sure that you are sleeping, you are recovering, your health is in point. You know, I'm a huge believer that most results come from having your health first. Okay. Uh, there's a mini course on that that I've got as well, but we can talk about that another time, but rest seriously underrated. I can't believe how long I've been talking about rest now, but it's super important. So really respect rest. Okay, the, the quote unquote secret, varying your grip. So I, talk, I touched on this very, very early on uh, in the sense that it's one of the few things that I would consider a bit of a secret gem, a little bit of a missing bit of information when it comes to one-arm chin-ups that does have quite profound effects. And this is something I've trialed on, a, on numerous occasions now with myself, with clients, is that adding in very low intensity varieties of grip will really, really feed well into the nervous system. I don't know if you've ever been to a gym that has used, uh, that has like multiple different weird hand-shaped handles um, for like the lat pull-down and used it and realized that different hand shapes make your lats feel different ways when you're pulling. That's a real thing. Like we're, we're stimulating different neural pathways and different connections. It actually has a profound effect on, on ability to pull and pulling strength. And certainly we look at one arm chin ups as a skill as well as a strength. It's like a skill strength. So bouldering, certainly when done correctly, uh, I'll have to dive into that at a different, different time by what I mean. Um, but bouldering can be a really great way to build towards one arm chins because we've got such a variety of grip and we're working at such low intensities because it's so, um, well, it's grip specific and it's movement pattern specific and it's very learning and it's very endurance based. So it actually doesn't really tick the box of intensity too much unless you're just throwing yourself around using just your arms, then uh, maybe that's a different story. But, but by using something like bouldering, we can actually see a lot of progress in one arm chin ups but we can, we can correlate that over to other training. We can do other things. So we can, we can look at how can I change the stimulus of my grip when I'm training one arm chin ups, moving through cycles. So I could put a, wrap a towel around the rings. Now the rings are fat and different. I could hang the towel off so that I have to grip it. And that could be either the assisting hand or the working hand, I'm doing them on things like ropes, bars, different challenges, different thicknesses of bars, things like that will all, will all change that stimulus. Um, but then my favorite way to do it is actually to add in very high frequency, very low intensity, very high variation, very submaximal throughout the week. So my preference is if you have something like a pull-up bar or chin-up bar at home is have some of those like eagle hook thingies, have a fat bar on it, have a towel hanging from it, have whatever. And just throughout your day or throughout your week, spend periods of hanging and gripping for 10, 20, 30 seconds, um, doing an incomplete pull. Don't, you don't have to do chin-ups. You don't have to rep out movements, but, but holding different levels of contraction on those. So, you know, five seconds up here, five seconds here, five, those sorts of things, but throwing in seemingly random, varied, low intensity stresses of grip can actually progress one arm chin-up work quite quickly. It can accelerate it quite well, which is nice because of its relationship with the CNS, central nervous system. And because you're also only as strong as your weakest link. Like if you want to perform a one-arm chin-up and that rep is going to take you 
a couple of seconds to reach the top of that movement and to show control on the way down, five to 10 seconds on the way down, you need to be able to hang one arm at the very least for 15 seconds. Grip is gonna play a big factor in that. If as you're pulling, your grip weakens and you roll into the fingertips, you're not gonna sustain that pull up. You're gonna, you're gonna reach a sticking point, which is determined by your grip. So by challenging your grip with variety, you'll overcome those plateaus before they come up. So I consider it a little bit of a secret because people don't talk about it that often, but it can have some quite profound effects. Things like you can either go bouldering or you can just play with those varieties. So these can be quite good ways to, to make this stuff work. Going back into complexity. Complexity trumps load for upper body. Oh, and it's the reverse for low body, by the way. Low body loves load. That's why deadlifts and squats and the basics work really well. But for the upper body, it's all about complexity. Because the shoulder joint and the scapulothoracic joint have so much movement available to them, they're there and they're constantly working, that complexity is going to be the things that, that really helps it. So the shoulder craves complexity because of its anatomy, because it's multiple joints, because of all those muscles working all the time, rotator cuff muscles, scapulothoracic muscles, various other shoulder muscles on the outside of the capsule and obviously rotating and sort of traversing within. It's why if you were working a, a logical progression for pull-ups is to once you get to six normal pull-ups, I would then suggest doing them on rings or on a rope or on a thing. So starting to make the shoulder have to work more complexly. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. And it's why adding things like arching pull-ups or uh, subscapularis pull-ups and things like that in, in people's programming as well. So complexity trumps load. And this is why I really do not like weighted chin-ups, okay? Stop loading the fuck out of the shoulder. Like, at some point, you do need to be able to handle large amounts of load through the shoulder. I do not do weighted chin-ups. I did not do them to get my one-arm chin-up. I do not do them to maintain it. I do not do them for anything. I think you're more likely to cue into a bad position. I don't think it's something you shouldn't be able to do, but one-arm chin-ups build strength in weighted chin-ups, not the other way around. That tends to be a thing, right? So the carryover is one way because of the complexity, because of the demand of the nervous system, right? So I can do more than my body weight on a weighted chin-up. I don't train them. I know people that can do their body weight on a weighted chin-up that can't one-arm chin. It kind of only works in one direction, okay? Um, and putting that huge amount of load in a weird position through it isn't, isn't ideal. It might be a good thing to learn to tolerate, but it's certainly not a good thing to use as a very frequent training protocol. Uh, certainly not from my perspective anyway. There will be, of course, there's gonna be people that disagree with me, but that's my perspective on it. And that's my preference on it, certainly. So yeah, so complexity for the upper body, because that's what the shoulders love. It's good for the nervous system. Don't overload the shoulder with loads of weighted chins. Just my personal opinion. Moving on. Cycling, maximal effort and repetition. Actually, I'm gonna go back for a second because sometimes I do get some questions about uh, weighted chins. So there is some correlating data between how much strength in a weighted chin is relative to something like a negative or a one-arm chin. And it's 
I don't know the exact numbers off by heart. If I'm honest with you, I, I've done a mini, um, a mini series on the one arm chin ups on real movement for real movement guys. And I covered this because I know that weighted chin ups are used by a few guys there. Uh, and it is something like you need a minimum of 75% of your own body weight round your waist for a strict chest to bar pull to correlate to the same amount of load that a negative one arm chin up would be. Okay. Which kind of explains why negatives can be so aggressive. And then once you get to about 90% of your body weight um, on a weighted chin, that tends to correlate around the same sort of strength as a one arm chin. But it does not mean that you suddenly be able to do one, you would still then need to train one arm chin movement because it's more neurally demanding. So you could get the prerequisite strength. It doesn't mean that you'll have the movement. Um, so that's why my preference is to just train the one arm chins anyway, because if I train the one arm chins, I get the weighted chin ups for free. If I train the weighted chin ups, then once I hit the prerequisite, I've still got to train one arm chins. I might as well have just chained one arm chins the whole time. Right? So that's my opinion on that. I'll move on. Cycling maximal effort and repetition effort. This is, I think this is really valid in most, most training methodologies. Um, I think this is just a really, really good way to, to run programming. Um, but it works really well with the one arm chin up, just like it does for any low body or any power lifting type of movements is the maximal effort is almost testing. When you think about it, it's, it's usually, you, it might not be testing a one rep max, but you might be testing like a three rep max or a five rep max. But it's working very, very high on that RPE. This might be where we push a nine. We might even push a 10 on some, some training days. Um, but the volume is typically going to be low, right? We're kind of going to maybe warm up to that, test it, back off. Uh, I'll give you an example. When I was pushing my reps for my one arm chin ups up, like dramatically, so I was gaining one rep every 10 days on average. Um, but the every 10th day of training was me literally seeing how many one arm chin ups do I have to failure on each arm. I would do my right arm. I would find my max set one arm chin ups. Then I would do one negative to as slowly as I physically could. Then I would rest five to eight minutes and do the same thing on the other arm. And then I'd go home. That was it. That was one of my two training sessions that I would do for one arm chin ups over a, over a 10 day period. It might've even been a 12 day. Cause I would do every five days that had passed. I would add, I would do a, a chin up training day. So that's kind of where the intensity might be and where the volume might be on like a maximal effort. And then on a repetition effort is where I would actually look at, specifically trying to target some density, specifically trying to get the right amount of volume of work in there. And that's typically going to be 20 to 30 reps um, of one arm pulling in some variety. So that's either going to be 20 to 30 reps, one arm pulling at like an RPE 7, 8 out of 10 with assisted or with lock-offs or with whatever progression model you're on currently. Uh, and we would basically just work to 20 to 30 sets. We'd start at 20. If you were hitting that successfully, then the goal would always be to then hit 20 reps in less time the next session. And then when you make a considerable improvement, we then push those reps up. So we might push the reps up to 25 and then to 30. 
Uh, again, this is one of the methods that I used when I gained a, a huge amount of reps. Is So I told you my intensity day, which was test max reps, do one negative, rest eight minutes, do the other arm, go home. Uh, my repetition, repetition effort day was typically, uh, I started how quickly can I do 20 reps each arm? And it took me, I think, 70 minutes the first, first time. Then the next time it did, I did it in sub 60. And then my, my school of thought was as soon as I get under 50 minutes, I'm going to add five reps. And then if I get that, and obviously the time will go up. And then if I get that, I'll go to 30 reps. And that's kind of where I stopped. Once I hit 30 reps over a session, my goal was, can I get 31 arm chin-ups to happen before 45 minutes, for example? And so that was, that was kind of the goal with hitting that. Uh, ah, right. Not 20 reps of eccentrics. Um, I was doing 20 reps of one arm chin-ups. Um, when I was training it myself, I was doing right arm, left arm, one minute later, right arm, left arm, one minute later, right arm, left arm, uh, with some handstand push-ups in between. For uh, most of my clients, we'll do something like this with... Um, we'll do it with like a mixed grip chin up or something. Uh, we'd only let you use eccentrics or lock offs if they're a low perceived effort for you. So if you can do a full eccentric and it's a seven out of 10, then yeah, we could do that with eccentrics. Um, but if doing a fully eccentric is an eight out of 10 or nine out of 10, then that's going to be more on the, on the maximal effort day. So typically this particular model I would use with mixed grip. I would use with something where you can definitively do more than one rep but I'm only asking you to do one rep every minute, for example, something like that. Hopefully that answers the question. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of frequency, twice per week max is, is my ideal on this. So when I'm programming one arm chin up work, when I'm doing it myself, my preference is actually to put as many rest days in there as possible. So I like one arm chin up training to be done once every five, six, seven days. So once a week might prop up slightly more frequently than that. It might be like twice in one week, once in the next, twice in, it kind of loops like that. Anywhere up to once every 10 days is the kind of thing that I, I like, to, like to push for in terms of cycling through the frequency of, of one arm chin up work. And on that, I would be alternating. So day one, would be uh, an intensity day. Five days later, I would do a volume day. Five days later, an intensity, five days. Uh, and then there's various ways to kind of mix up the way that you kind of cycle these things in and out as you go. Uh, da, 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 da. Ah, okay, um, I'll answer that question a little bit later down the line. I'll just wrap up this slide and then we'll, I'll dig into uh, what what we're asking there. Uh, where was I? Right. Okay. So, oh yeah, filling it out. Oh, look, I talked about rest again. Shameless. Filling it out with the one arm chin up is super important. If you're, if you're training and the RPE seems to be higher than it usually is, you can back off a little bit. You can work to what your appropriate RPE is, right? If, uh, if you're going in for a day and you just feel crap, don't train that day. Be smart, like rest a little bit more. Equally, and this is more for the people that are very body aware, 
if you go into the gym one day and let's say you're doing something else and you are feeling fucking awesome, CNS is up, you're feeling like you could jump over a building, whatever, and you want to have a check where your one arm chins are at, by all means do them. Uh, some of the times that I've made big rep jumps on the one arm chins were actually maybe a day early or two days early. They might've been a day late. Sometimes I would have come out of an Olympic weightlifting class and I'm like, I'm feeling so good and so explosive and so up right now that I've got this. If you can go into it knowing you've got it, I don't mind every now and again, if you're a very intuitive athlete, trying for that, for that one arm chin. But then appreciate that if it doesn't happen, you've got to add extra rest in again. You've got to respect that rest. So more rest, more results. So um, I'm going to answer the question that we've got here now, just because it's very relevant to what we've just been talking about. So the question is, if you can't make 20 reps of the exercise that you start with, like if I start with one, then fail, let's say at the 15th, should I change the variation or stop? So I would stop or I would add more rest. So I really like using EMOMs for this type of structure. So this question is relating to when I was talking about the repetition, repetition effort where we're going for 20 reps over a total session. One of my preferences for doing that is to do it as an EMOM, right? Alternating minutes, every minute on the minute doing your given movement. So let's say that the goal is we're using a, a specific progression of one arm chin up. We're doing that on minute one. On minute two, we're doing our handstand push-up variation, and we're just alternating between those two things each minute. One rep, one arm chin up variation, whatever level you're at, on each side. On the next minute, we do a handstand push-up for two reps or more, and then the next minute comes around, we go back into one arm chin up. We go. So let's say you fail a rep at some point. Then logically for me, what I would do is I would stretch the rest out. So let's say we get to rep 15, which would have happened if we were on this scheme at say minute 30 and you don't hit rep 15. Shit, I didn't hit rep 15. Okay, well now we're either gonna go every 90 seconds instead of every minute or we're gonna go every two minutes. Like how big a margin did you miss it by? If you had nothing, then we're gonna double up on rest. If you almost had it, but it was kind of, it kind of fell short, then we're gonna drive the rest up by by say 30 seconds. So the first time I implemented this protocol for myself and the first time a lot of my students do this type of protocol, they would go, like they might do one rep each side and, and get their say 10 rounds in and then miss a rep. And it's like you rest for a round and then when the round comes back round, you've increased the rest to you're going every 90 seconds and you might get another two or three rounds and then you miss a rep and so you rest out and then you add it to every two minutes and then every two minutes you go and then, which is why initially it might take you something like 70 minutes to get 20 reps because you keep stretching out the rest to make sure the quality of work and the perceived effort stays at the same point. And then over time, you can get the same amount of work in over a shorter amount of time because we're not accumulating fatigue as much. Um, yeah, my preference is not to do multiple rep sets in this particular structure. There's, there's other types of structures that we could use where we, where we would do multiple rep sets, or if you're very high into your progression, then in theory, you could, you could do like a double rep. Um, so I think when I was up at six reps of consecutive one arm chin ups, then I was doing 
two reps right arm, two reps left arm every other minute. Um, so if you're, let's say you're not quite at negatives, but repping assisted one arm chins is quite easy, then yeah, you might, you might double reps on that, or you might maybe push for three reps, but you're going to start to really eat into the rest period if you do do that, because you're going to accumulate sort of total fatigue on your energy systems as well as the local fatigue because three reps one arm three reps the other arm and then you have something else to do on the next minute and then to go back you're going to eat into a lot of rest so i try and make it as intense i try and keep it like rpe seven one rep each arm every on on your odd minutes and then another movement on your even minutes that tends to be the way that works best for this particular approach hopefully that all made sense and this is just another place where more rest, more results, right? If, if we fail a rep, if our rate of exertion goes up too high, we just add more rest. In this acute uh, example, it would be intraset rest. Um, in a broader sense, it would be more days rest. You know, if, if you see less progress session to session, then you typically bump the rest up. But this type of work, this density type of work, tends to be really, really effective at driving the volume of work that you can get done in less time. And then that correlates to more results quite remarkably because we're teaching the body to recover quicker. And again, recovery tends to be my main focus. So, oh, look at this. We're already at this point. Putting it into practice. So I've got a few examples here of how I might schedule some progress, some training on the one-arm chin-ups. So... In this one, we've got putting into practice option one. This is for people that do not have a one-arm chin-up, okay? Definitively, do not have. Clear this. This might work something like this. Phase one, we'll have two days of training and we'll either put those, you know, minimum of three days between training on the day one and day two, ideally closer towards five, but in the early stages, you might actually get away with a little bit less rest. So it kind of works on that bell curve, right? So when you first start training, you get away with having a bit less rest. Then, or actually when you very first start training, you probably need a lot of rest. Then you get into a mid zone where you need less rest and then you kind of creep the rest back out further. Um, but day one, if we're going for a maximal, might be something like 10 sets of five seconds worth of intensity. Now for this, that might be a five second lock off. It might be if you've got your five second um, negative, if those two things are consistent, or that also might be five seconds of um, contraction, right? So if I wrote your tempo as a two second pull, a no rest, three second lowering phase, no rest, or maybe I write it as an explosive pull, with a two second hold at the top with a three second lower, you know, on a mixed grip, that's going to be five seconds of intensity. So we might look at doing that for each arm and resting and building up 10 sets of that. So that might be literally 10 reps each arm on that maximal day. That's plenty. And then on day two, we've got four sets of 10 to 12 total reps where we're building density. So the goal for this particular session would be 10 to 12 total reps on an alternating scheme. So we're using enough work or low enough assistance that 
10 to 12 reps is like our end game on assisted. So let's say we're doing a mixed grip, right? Pull to this side, change, pull to this side, repeat. RPE is appropriate that when I get to rep 10, 11 or 12 total, so that's five to six on each arm, like I'm pooped, okay? And then I need to rest. And four sets of that means that we're gonna get a decent chunk of total reps over that session. And the goal on that over that phase would be that we actually wanna get that same amount of work done in less and less time. So it would have a nondescript rest and your goal would be like to get that same quality of work in, to stay within my 10 to 12 reps, I had to rest two minutes between every set or three minutes between every set. And then the next time I trained, I did two and a half minutes between every set. And the next time, the goal would always be to get it done in a shorter period of time. So that would be an example of how we might run phase one. And then phase two, phase three, we start to build on that. So we might look at adding total duration of intensity in the phase two sets. So this might be either an additional rep on a different tempo. It could be a longer lock-off or a longer negative. And on the day two, it would be where actually maybe we're keeping the volume high, right? But what we're doing is we're doing it with less reps. So we're actually bringing a tiny bit of intensity in. So we're, we're keeping volume, we're making the work slightly harder so that we're also making more significant strength gains. And then as you move into like a third phase, again, we might be pushing the duration of the intensity up and that could either be additional reps, you know, because time under tension or it could be longer negatives, longer lock-offs, that type of thing. So we're building up the total amount of time or reps that we're spending in those intense phases. And then we've kept the volume by going up in sets and going down in reps. So the volume is slightly more intense. So you see that they almost start migrating together because we're doing slightly more work in the intensity and slightly higher effort in the volume over a period of time. So they, they don't quite cross, but they start to move towards each other. And this would be just a, just an example of how you might approach like for somebody that doesn't have a one arm chin progressing towards them. And obviously there's much more detailed and uh, specific examples of how this would actually become sets and reps and tempo and everything when I prescribe it out. But hopefully this gives you some of an idea to how you could approach that type of system. Right. And uh, yeah, so so it, day one might be one rep per set. It, it could be more, it could be more. It depends on whereabouts you are. Uh, I think I've, I've gone quite low ball for this particular example. This is probably for someone that's quite far away from their, from their one arm chin journey, or it's kind of middle ground. So maybe you've achieved your first 10 second negative and now we're working at sets of five second negatives to get the right intensity in there, okay? Uh, we've got another example of somebody that doesn't have a one-arm chin-up. So in this one, putting stuff into practice, we could look at day one could be density. So here we've got like four sets of 10 to 12 total reps building density. So again, we would be putting in the work to get 12 total alternating reps, for example, over four sets. And the goal would be to get that same amount of work done in less and less and less time each time you hit that workout. So we drop the rest down, for example, work a little bit faster. And day two could be some accessory pulling to a degree. So still pulling, but maybe not one arm pulling. And this is actually an approach I use 
I'd say more frequently for people further away from their one-arm journey. We'll look at density of alternating work, and then we'll look at really making sure that their pulling motor patterns and pulling strength is really good. So this is where day two, I would add something like arching sternum pull-ups and some, and some grip work, right? So an arching sternum pull-up would be where I'm really making you uh, depress, retract, lift the chest before pulling to the bar to get all of that shoulder girdle and to throw loads of complexity into your pulling. So this might be where day two, that's what I'd be working on strengthening. And we're not worrying about intensity yet because I sure as hell aren't gonna put you on isometrics or on negatives if you're not ready for them. Um, and this is where I would encourage more so getting some grip work in. And that would either be grip work at the end of that particular pulling session where we change up some grips and we might do some 10 to 30 second holds on various things, or it'd be where I'd suggest going and doing some bouldering couple of days a week or doing uh, the, the random hangs that we talked about earlier on in the webinar. Phase two, same sort of thing. You, you see where it's going, right? The arching sternum pulls and the variation in pulling work might be on that day two all the way through. And that's where we're building that, that density as, as the main focus on the day one on both of these. So this is where the intensity is actually coming from the sternum pulls work. So that's where we'd work intensity. We'd make sure that's really challenging. And then the single arm work is where we're building the density because I find that that's how we get quicker results. That density training tends to be really, really, really effective for that. And then we can look at how we could apply this to somebody that already has at least one, one arm chin up, right? So if you've got at least one, one arm chin up and it's consistent, it's not, it's sometimes there, it's sometimes not because if that's the case, you can work off the previous models and of everything we've talked about. But if you're on that one plus reps, this is where we could put in um, this type of protocol, right? So we could look at day one, set one, powerful, maxing out. This is where I'd be looking for really explosive reps, really explosive tempo, obviously controlling the way down, but trying to get as much stretch reflex as possible. If you've seen my video of my six rep one arm chin up, that point at the bottom where as I come out of one pull up, how aggressively I get into the next one using a bit of stretch reflex. As soon as that shoulder elevates, it's that elastic energy to drive back out. So where we'd be looking for really powerful reps, maxing out when you hit a rep where you do not get above the ring. And this might be one, this might be multiple. Then we'd rest out. We'd go into accommodating resistance, right? So then we'd assist ourselves on the way up go into the negative on the way down. And we do that to a set. And then set three, we're gonna make sure that we reach absolute failure. So whether or not that is um, an assisted rep set or that you might still get a negative out on your first rep, for example, um, and then stretch that out a little bit more, go for some assistance. This might be where I'd actually encourage using single or multiple fingers on the assistance to just take us to a point where it's like, I'm pooped, I'm smoked. Um, and then day two, this is where I really love that, that EMOM. This is a, an example on that EMOM work. So we might do something like every minute on the minute, minute one, one rep, negative chin if you're on less than three reps of a one arm chin up because the appropriate intensity. And if you're three rep plus, this is where I would perform a single one arm chin up definitively. And then minute, minute two, you hit some variation of handstand push-up or planche push-up variation. That can be the, the other alternative to balancing out your pressing and pulling work. 
be that a lean forward push-up or tuck planche push-up or any variation on that type of press but really getting elbow balance and then basically if you fail fail the rep for two consecutive rounds so you get one chance right if you fail the rep and then the next minute of that rep comes around and you hit it again great keep going but if you fail the rep twice for two attempts then we would add rest so in this particular example i've said if you were going minute on the minute you would then change to every 90 seconds and then if it happened again you change to every two minutes and if it happened again you go to every two and a half like that so the goal is to either hit 20 reps or at 60 minutes you cap it whichever happens first and then that would be your your workout so in this particular example this day one and day two day one would be done on let's say uh well day one day two would be hit something like five days later five to seven days later typically to see that kind of progress and that's how i like to to push that so hopefully that covers a lot of information for everyone hopefully it's not too much and that there's actually things that you can take away and action um but pushing into q a now so if you have any questions about anything one arm chin up related feel free to drop them in the comments box now and i will work through those i also have a couple of questions from people that i don't think managed to attend today so i can also go over some of those as well so that we can you know get get to the bottom of a few things if we need to so i'm just gonna move things away i'm probably going to take the screen share off and then we'll dive into some questions if you don't know where the question box is it should be for me it's at the top of my screen but for you guys it should be probably at the bottom of your screen uh, there should just be a box that says chat so feel free to drop any questions you have in there i'm gonna enter the questions that i had from emails uh, in there now and so that i have something to read and talk through so okay here are some questions so have gotten one arm chin-ups in the past but currently developed tendon tendon tendinopathy training for them best thing to avoid this I was doing one day of assisted and one day of weighted when it developed. Okay, so answer to that particular question. One, I'm not a huge fan of the weighted and it depends on the assisted chin up that was being used. Uh, again, it comes down to that too much, too fast, potentially, too high frequency, potentially. Uh, my biggest tip for avoidance that I've talked about throughout is going to be that balancing the pushing and pulling. I genuinely believe that to be the most effective way. If you stick with like a two to one ratio of press work to pull work, that tends to keep the elbows really happy. That's never failed me. It's never failed any of my clients. Um, the only time I tend to see it come in is if I miss that or if one of my clients does, you know, uh, once the press work tends to slip out, maybe some elbow stuff tends to come in. So if you're putting a lot of volume in your pulling, and mixing like weighted and assisted, then if you haven't balanced that out with an equal amount of pressing work, the structure around the elbow is not going to be happy. There's probably going to be some tendinopathy creeping in there. You wouldn't think I'm a soft tissue therapist, can't even say tendinopathy. Other questions that I've got in here. 
Um, what do I think about one-arm chin-up pulley assisted? I think it can be a useful tool. Um, it's not my preference because it's what it's really good for is also what I don't like is it's incredibly objective, right? It gives you the exact same amount of resistance uh, throughout the rep. Uh, it gives you a very specific um, weight for a one-arm chin-up that you don't have, which I think can sometimes create a certain amount of expectation because you go, oh, I've put 10 kilos on that when once I can, if I was 10 kilos lighter, I'd be able to do the one-arm chin-up. That's not, not necessarily the case. It can be a useful tool for people that are very, very data-driven. It can work quite well. Uh, it can be a good metric to track. It's not my preference. My preference is always going to be to do the like mixed grip variations, alternating grip variations, things like that. So it's more subjective than objective. For some reason, I seem to see far more results with that method than with the former. Um, oh, we've got a live question coming in here as well. So what have we got? What to do if the very beginning of the movement is the hardest part? Many trainees would, train, would have struggled with a specific part. Either they could not start the movement or it cost them too much energy for the rest. Very beginning of the shoulder pressing the part where you're bending the shoulder. Okay, awesome question. So I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about I'm in my dead hang, my shoulder is all elevated up by my ear, and the part that's hardest for your particular clients that you're talking about is this initial, like instigating that movement, right? That boom, that, that first retraction of the shoulder and using that to break the inertia and actually get the shoulder to move. Um, it's, a, it's a very common sticking point is, is getting that, that initial inertia. This is one of the occasions where if I am seeing this with a particular client, then I am probably going to recommend some variety of single arm pull-ins, like single arm hang, scapular shrug type work, um, and do some movements like that. My favorite is actually to do the, um, so hanging onto the rings with both arms and almost going into like an arched pull, like an arched front lever pull, but emphasizing going into one shoulder. Right, so I'm hanging from both arms. I'm in here. My goal is to do this, to bring my chest up and my arms down. But what I'm actually going to do is emphasize going over into one side as much as possible to really squeeze that. It's also the reason why I would use things like arching pull-ups with clients and subscapularis pull-ups, where we're teaching you to really drive the shoulder blades down the back and together, and have the chest lifted in order to pull to the bar to train some of that sort of horizontal-ish type pulling strength that tends to tends to correct it out if i give people that before i put them into single arm work i don't tend to encounter that issue if i haven't given them that then i do tend to encounter that issue so i would say more specific work on retracted arched pulling uh, specifically in the arching pull-ups or sternum pull-ups can be a really good way to overcome that before it happens or if they are encountering it to to get that portion of the movement to really strengthen uh, another question here. What are your recommendations for training the one arm with bouldering being the main sport? So three times a week climbing and then structuring strength work around it. Interesting. So with that, my preference, if you are bouldering at a good frequency, is actually to consider that your repetition effort and volume work. So if you are doing several sessions, um, then I would still train one arm chin-ups, but I would probably train it on 
one of those days or the day preceding your first day of bouldering training. And I would just train the intensity one. So that would be a, an occasion where I would train maybe once per week specifically for the one arm chin up. And it would either be in the day of the first bouldering session or the day preceding the first bouldering session. Um, I would train an intensity based one arm chin up pulling. And then, then I would go into, go into my bouldering and try and try and manipulate the intention of those bouldering sessions over the week. So you may be, again, progress from a more intense. So you might start, you know, that first session of the week, you might want to be doing a little bit more cambering. You might want to go for easier grip holds, but things that are going to require more upper body driven strength. Um, and then as you progress through the week, you might slowly taper down and make routes that are less intense from a strength perspective, but more technical, more grip specific, more enduring, where you might want to do several runs of the same route. That's how I would incorporate it alongside bouldering. One, one arm chin up intense day at the beginning of the week, and then taper the bouldering down over the course of the week so that we're still really emphasizing recovery. That would be how I would do that. Hopefully that answers your question. What else have I got? Um, recommendations for frequency, volume, intensity. We, I think we covered. Um, would I use specific periodization for one arm chin ups, such as a hypertrophy cycle and then one to, and then a strength cycle? Yeah, kind of. Um, no, I, I tend to believe more in running concurrently. So training all of those things at once. Um, I think, I think you tend to get all of that from things like one arm chin ups anyway. Um, if you really wanted to use it for hypertrophy and then dial in on strength, then maybe, um, and then it's just a matter of being specific in your repetition ranges for a while. Uh, that would be a very similar approach to doing repetition effort for the first phase or couple of phases, um, to build up some density, to get higher reps, to get more competency in that motor pattern. You know, maybe that's the one where you have the arching pull-ups and such. And then going into the strength work would be bringing more intensity in. Uh, for absolute beginners, very, very much, yes, um, that would work. Like if you've only just got your sixth rep of a normal chin-up, then maybe that might be the way I would approach it to start moving you towards your one-arm chin-up, um, where we'd then start to, yeah, go for some variations where we're trying to pull in some mixed grip and we're doing arch variations, for example, but we're trying to get more reps in to get you really competent and then go into strength once I know you have enough strength. Um, but, but typically I will run them alongside each other. I won't, I won't do like a hypertrophy phase, a strength phase, an endurance phase or anything like that. A few more questions here. Do, 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 do. Opinions on the curl exercise to help protect the elbow joint from the one arm chin. For some people, if you do have a specific weakness to you in curling patterns, or you are somebody that has um, short muscle bellies, so uh, if the bicep doesn't connect like like my biceps like right down into my elbow, some people stops a little bit earlier, so it's gonna be a little bit more tendony, then I might suggest specific bicep strengthening exercises. But for most people, no. It's only like with accessory work, if you have a weakness, I will always give you accessory work for your weaknesses, but that's individual more so than it is one arm chin specific. Um, I'm actually more likely to prescribe extra tricep work for elbow health than I am to prescribe extra bicep work. 
for the chin up because it's it's pretty bicep heavy um, and the tricep needs to funny enough actually going back to one of these previous questions the the tricep is actually um, part of the driver for this initial part and this pulling down um, the straight arm component because of its link with the lat so having a strong tricep will also actually really help get that initial lat recruitment that people can lack um, advice for beginners who want to learn was 100% mixed grip chin-ups. Um, and then can I break down how much is bicep, lats and core? Okay, so core, I'm a big uh, believer that core is trained through absolutely everything. I, I don't ever uh, make it individual. I'll find that you see how people's legs tend to lift up at the same time that they're pulling in a one-arm chin-up. That tends to be because the body's trying to shorten tension from everywhere to produce that type of movement. It's why doing a straight body one-arm chin-up is much harder. Um, I would say that uh, the straight body one-arm chin-up is on par with th uh, three consecutive reps one-arm chin-ups, personally. Uh, some people might find it easier or harder. I, I find it really hard, uh, but I am an explosive athlete. Um, biceps and lats it's very 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 lat but you do also need a strong bicep it's kind of all linked together i couldn't give you an exact example of how much of of one or t'other it is i think the the elbow health thing is more because bicep has really worked hard um and i think uh, the top range like people that struggle with the absolute lock off that tends to be a bicep issue that tends to be a weakness in the bicep that they need to bring in a little bit more that's one of the examples where i might uh, suggest doing something like curls. Um, yeah, I think scroll down. I think that's, that's all our questions. So unless anybody has another question, this is probably where we're going to wrap up. What I might do is zoom back through, give a very quick recap over everything that we went through. If there's any questions at the end, I'll answer those again. And if there's not, that's where we will wrap up. So if I ping all the way back, you don't need to know that. You don't need to see me again. Um, we covered all of these. So yeah, so finding your benchmark can be great. Uh, one of the biggest things I like to do is find your RPE. Uh, my favorite way to do that is to do alternating sets. Bam, bam. And see what's your maximum. Pulling with the supinated hand, assisting with the non. Up and down. Doing find as many as you can do, and then we can start to adjust your rate perceived exertion from that. Uh, whereas testing things like your lock off, your negative or sticking points, I wanna see at least five seconds, ideally up to 10, and with the negative, no acceleration, right? That seems to be the same speed all the way through. Picking your pairing was about making sure that you get enough tricep and pressing work in to balance out the elbow. Again, that's a two to one in terms of press to pull. Rest, 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 rest. <laughs> My biggest message, I guess, but seriously, rest enough. Using bouldering, mixing up grips and things like that can be a really good way to really accelerate that training. Complexity trumps load. So scrap the weighted chin-ups if you can bear to lose them. Stick with variations of one-arm pulling and mixed grip and assisted grip chin-ups you will see more progress, I guarantee you that. And you'll keep your weighted chins, like you will, seriously, you will. 
cycling maximal effort and repetition effort is one of the best ways that I've seen progress. So take those principles on board. That could be a really great way. And whether or not that's cycling them over longer phases or in shorter phases, that's up to you. And then we had a couple of examples. Hopefully you screenshotted them and stuff. Uh, if you didn't, I will be putting this up um, as something to, to play back. Obviously everybody that's here will get that for free and get the full version. Um, the Q&A and the example programs will be um, probably not free for everybody else going forwards, um, but we'll see, see how I feel. I'm, I'm usually pretty generous. And then, yeah, Q&A. So a couple more things here in the chat. So, yeah, I think you focused me with the programming. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming, everybody. I'm glad everybody's excited to put some of this stuff into, into practice and that people feel like they've really learned something. So really appreciate everybody that showed up for showing up. And if I'm going to do more things like this, I will obviously let you know if you have demand for me to, to do any more webinars on anything, please do message me because I've really enjoyed this. And um, yeah. Okay. Thanks guys. Ash, I'm out. <laughs>